0: Welcome to Nikosiankat, produced and presented by Andromahis of Ocleus and Kemal Baikal.
1: In this episode, we discuss what happens when the illusion of frozen conflicts collapses.
0: As always, there are lessons for Cypriots, but also for the international community. And uh, I think the first conclusion that we need to draw is the fact that uh, we are living in a frozen conflict, and any conflict which is you know it can be an ethnic conflict and or or any other conflict can can not be frozen can melt anytime and then i think this is the biggest um lesson that we need to learn from this you heard us speaking it wasn't uh, the new program it was uh, the excerpts from the previous programs and this particular piece was from 2022 uh, uh march when uh, Russia invaded um, uh, Ukraine. And uh, we were also talking about um, how civil society, the peacemakers, United Cyprus now, in their press release uh, in even February in 2022, talks about uh, the frozen conflict. And uh, Andromache.
1: Yes, you you know, you hear the phrase um, that there are no frozen conflicts being somehow normalized. The, lately in the uh, public discourse in the Republic of Cyprus in particular. I mean we not even by the Republic. We should
0: have copyrighted. Yes, it we should.
1: <laughs> 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 well actually the President of the Republic of Cyprus, Nikos Christodoulidis, has used it uh, like just last last week. The same with um, Republic of Cyprus House of Representatives head, Anita Dimitriou and even the head of Anfisip has used it. Uh, But, you know, I hear this phrase being normalized now and then I I think that both Mrs. Dimitriou and Mr. Christodoulidis were somehow associated with the period in which basically everything came to a stall, which is uh, in a sense uh, from 2017 to 2020. And uh, this sort of conclusions in politics it's worth if they come a bit earlier I mean when there is some ground to work on because let's remind ourselves that after the Grand Montana conference collapsed you you had another three years of Mr. Akinji being in place before Mr. Tatar who is adopting the position that he adopts of utter intransigence so it's kind of Comical, but at the same time dramatic to have this phrase normalized as if we can never, you know, act in advance. Uh, But even now, one would say that, that there could be things to be done that could at least try to influence the situation somehow. But even those are not taken or promoted.
0: There is no such thing as frozen conflict, especially in the age that we are living in, especially what we have witnessed in Ukraine what we have been witnessing in Palestine, um, in Israel. So everybody thought that maybe we were overstating it. But the fact that uh, we are living in a very fragile area in the region should make us realize this this fact that all frozen conflicts uh what happens in in uh, Nagorno Karabakh what happens in Ukraine what happens in in Palestine Israel these days one after another are actually uh, opening up like 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 an old wound and uh, this is a scary situation but of course I'm happy that finally um even if for the lip service some people are embracing The fact that the frozen conflicts, the status quo, actually cannot be sustained. And um, I think what we can do about this is to build on that, to not let it go away from our vision, because what happens is this when we start feeling confident again or when it serves our political vision, we forget this. And you rightly said that after Cran Montana... There were um, another uh, few years until Mr. Akunju lost his seat. And we also remember how he suggested that we should sign Guterres' framework as a strategic agreement and we could not capitalize on that. And now everybody's talking about the frozen conflict as uh, because now the positions are further, further away uh, from each other.
1: Well, yeah, and one of the aspects of this uh, non-existent uh, frozen conflict is the fact of the situation of turkey Cypriots in the north, the way that Turkey is, you know, taking over any sense of Turkish Cypriot will, the way they are literally taking over everything. All of these are parts of this non-existent frozen conflict. And yet the Republic of Cyprus seems to be either oblivious or non-interested in, in this so-called Turkish Cypriot struggle in the face of Turkish enhanced grip over them. The Christodoulidis government uh, has been talking since they assumed office, basically, about uh, openings towards the Turkish Cypriots, openings that would be unilateral and that would be coming from the Republic of Cyprus. There was a lot of media coverage around this at some point in in September. There were even leaks of these uh, suggested measures, and since then we have not heard anything. I understand obviously that many other things are happening that is to be taken taken for granted. But at the same time, we need to also be looking home and uh, towards the struggles of people on this island. And I think that uh, Christodoulidis is turning his back on this issue, despite the positive rhetoric.
0: I think we were positively surprised because we mentioned this before, he was uh, supported by the most conservative um, circles in the Greek Cypriot community when he was elected and our expectations were not high. But, um, we were positively surprised because how he built his rhetoric, how he started using a soft tone when it came to the uh, conflict in the, uh, or, 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 um, the issue in, in the waters around Cyprus. So, um, we were uh, positively uh, surprised and hopeful. And especially when we had this leak about 14 points towards the Turkish Cypriot, supposedly to be implemented unilaterally as a confidence building measures things such as um, addressing the issue of citizens of the, the, the children of the citizens of the Republic of Cyprus who reside in the north and who do not have the documentation and uh, things like uh, opening bank accounts, which is actually an EU application and so on and so forth. So but this is the issue with Aristotle with this administration. I don't want to simplify it, but it's like too much words but no action and now hristodulidis is trying to uh, play again in a diplomatic role in the international community um trying to be mediating to help the uh, migrants and refugees escaping the war um in gaza but then i think the primary responsibility of hristodulidis should be towards cyprus as we discussed that the the war is actually uh teaching us uh, things um and um, I think, you know, we, I think, need to mention briefly the, the human catastrophe and uh, the failure of politics, um, in, in Gaza and how international organizations cannot do anything about uh, what has been going on at the United Nations and the UN agencies, the European Union. And yes, we are all, um, upset. Um, we are all, When we saw the first incidents that were taking place that led the start of this crisis, we were, of course, uh, shocked and what Hamas did. But what followed after that was actually, um, was also horrendous and uh, it's going on. So the point here is, of course, not to discuss in detail the conflict, but to understand how the international organizations and international obligations of those organizations should be taken seriously and how these are being eroded as well. And we need to learn from this this crisis as Cypriots that we are really living in a very fragile region.
1: Look, Kemal, I think we are really going through a historical drama when it comes to what is happening. And I think that even all the things that you mentioned before about the other conflicts. Uh, I think we are witnessing a redefinition of international norms, of international order, of geopolitics. I think we've had our share of, uh, of period in which things were not happening and we are in that stage in which many things are happening all the time and they are uh, changing the course of things. But I think that what is happening now in Gaza is going to haunt Europe, uh, the European Union, for a very long time. I think we are creating a generation of people that basically have nowhere to look at, at the moment, when it comes to holding true to what we've been told for all this time about international order, about Geneva Conventions, about the limitations of war, and I think that we are sliding down a road in which we engage in total disregard of any sense of international law and that will keep coming back to us. There is no turning back from this. And look, I find what Hamas did horrendous, atrocious. I am disgusted at the things that we've been reading and seeing and it's pogroms. They were targeting Jews. You cannot even grasp the horrors of it. But my disgust at what Hamas did cannot cancel my absolute distraction at seeing what is happening in in, in Gaza now. And I don't understand why we cannot take a position in which we acknowledge the horror that uh, Israeli citizens went through. But at the same time, we should all take a step back and look at what is happening. Now we are talking about a month of incessant bombing. I don't understand when we are gonna come to a point as European Union and say enough. When is it gonna be enough? I belong in a generation of people that are profoundly European, but at the same time, we have always considered the European Union as this, the safeguard of international law, principles, principles and values. values. And we saw that. We saw that actively in the reaction against Russia and against what Russia was doing. The European Union failed to apply the same values that it rightly applied when Russia was invading Ukraine to what is today happening in, in Gaza and in the West Bank as well.
0: What I don't understand is how come a generation of Cypriots who experienced war, the bombings, the, you know, running for their lives, losing their loved ones and properties and, and, and everything, do not see that continuing this conflict is not to the benefit of the cypriots i mean for me this is the most important thing apart from the you know us being um, realizing what's around us and then taking a position and how come we don't understand that this is not very different from what we had in the past uh, maybe the the you know the, the the depth of it or the degree of it and the context was different, but the war is war and the people are people. And I think it's our primary responsibility to fix our home first. Like, and th- there are also many potential uh, areas of conflict that might create even more headache to us. Like what we have experienced in Pila. And then after we heard the news that finally there is an agreement, uh, which were conf- which was confirmed confirmed by by all sides, we again found out that there is a disagreement because of the ownership of the of the area, and then it's in the buffer zone. We don't need to get into the details, but the most important point is that you cannot sustain. you cannot sustain an ongoing conflict, thinking that it's frozen and then will, it's going to shape itself up. And not at the time when the, the people are realizing that the only way to avoid conflict is to uh, kill the the, the, the source. And uh, and then and move away from it. Otherwise, you might agree whether it's the armament, whether it's the international alliances, whether being part of the EU, whether the United Nations Charter will protect you or not. What will protect you is is to 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 fix it, to to uh, get away from it, to find the solution to the problem. And but how
1: can the United Nations protect you when? We stand silent when we saw see a total disregard in the course of the United Nations Secretary General. My major concern at this stage is that, you know, when the United Nations no longer matters, when we no longer hear what all these institutions have to say about the conflict, then how can we expect that we are safe in a situation like Cyprus? How can we feel safe in this environment? And our only protection in this situation is always a steadfast commitment to some limitations uh, in the way, uh, you know, international actors engage. Otherwise, we are living in a, in a stage of a jungle. L-
0: l- let's say that this way or another, this conflict will either in, 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 in Gaza, um, will, will either come to an end or will, will bring some sort of a ceasefire and then you know we will again go back to um, our normal lives and then you know forget what's going on and in in this particular case um do, do you do you see that maybe uh, the international community try to address all these potential problems in the region for uh, because once because one it is a source of st- uh, instability Two, again, there is a discussion about energy all the time, so um, uh, some sort of a solution to to address this coming to an agenda. How do you see the the, the potential?
1: Well, just before going there, I would just like to take a moment to acknowledge that uh, as we speak on the ground in Israel, there are Jews and Arabs that are working together, uh, trying not to allow hatred to dominate in their society calling for peace, trying to get their pieces together again. And I think we need to bring those voices to light as well, because I understand their struggle to make their voice heard in a situation in which militarism is basically dominating. And they are offering, let's say, a glimpse into a possible way out, because we need to appreciate that there are people that they do call for a political solution to uh, the problem. Coming back to your question and whether the Cyprus problem will come in the agenda again. Well, look, in the midst of this crisis, Cyprus kind of presented itself as this safe base, let's say, for many things. And they also had that uh, proposal for a humanitarian corridor and whether it is feasible or not. You know, they tried to put an idea out there to come into the scene. However, what concerns me is whether Uh, Cyprus understands its vulnerability in the midst of it, in the sense that whether this pending Cyprus problem is really in the minds of our uh, government at the moment when it comes to the way they are acting, because one would assume that at this stage a Cyprus government would appreciate its vulnerability and would be trying to communicate to even not only the United Nations but other international actors etc it's vulnerability in the midst of it and the need to to see what we're going to do about Cyprus and the Cyprus problem. I don't know whether we are doing this. We need to appreciate that the Republic of Cyprus was very positive for the sending of an envoy. I mean, in the whole discussion, I think they accepted the envoy that was being discussed. Apparently, as I understand it is the Turkish Cypriot side that has rejected the envoy that would be originating from the Commonwealth, basically. And they didn't want an envoy coming from the Commonwealth. But my expectations go beyond you know, the envoy or this process. They go towards a more clear understanding and positioning about the need to solve the Cyprus problem because we cannot go on like this as we see the world crumbling apart.
0: You see, um, of course, we've discussed it many times. We don't want to see another uh, process collapse. Because we are paying the price every time. I remember we criticized the United Nations um, really um, when they had this Geneva conference where the Turkish Cypriot side and Turkey side, they went and said that we don't want a federal solution anymore. We are in favor of a two-state solution. And this has been voiced out in the United Nations. And, you know, there was a big conference and everybody was wondering why there was this meeting really if there it, it is not going to be positive so um, on the other hand i think it needs to start from somewhere i mean it needs to start from somewhere because of what's going on around uh, cyprus and i think we had a long pause now and uh, it is time uh, to start uh, the, the ground is not there, apparently, because whatever the solution will be, even if if there will be a solution, it should be some sort of, of a power-sharing uh, arrangement, whatever you call it, and uh, apparently two-state solution will not be accepted by, uh, by sides, by the international community, by Republic of Cyprus, by many. Then at least maybe you need a strong character to see to prepare the ground for uh, for a more conducive environment, and I, I don't see this happening, especially when um, uh, Mr. Erdogan is playing, trying to play this this big role in the region, and then uh, uh, Cyprus is not a leverage for him anymore for the things that he wanted to achieve. Uh, talking about Turkey, but just um, just
1: before you go yeah. there, though, and uh, because you refer to what Erdogan is doing. You know, we shouldn't underestimate what could happen if suddenly the northern part of the island is considered the Muslim part and the southern part of the island is considered the uh, Christian Orthodox part. And we get into this polarization when it comes to Muslims and Christians that we see taking place in the world. And we see how Erdogan is trying to kind of position himself as the safeguard of, uh, of Muslims around the world. So we need to be in a position to look ahead to what could happen negatively in order to appreciate the precariousness of our situation. And uh, I'm not optimistic, here, We need to be in a position to acknowledge that the situation on the ground is now making it tremendously difficult for any discussion about uh, a solution to the Cyprus problem. And uh, it's kind of astounding if you think about it, that you have the war going on and there is no... No, no discussion on the island, basically, about where we stand in this when it comes to Cyprus. Well, we
0: know that international, we know that international development sometimes happens at, at very unexpected times. Um, talking about Turkey, we now know that the, the head of opposition, um, the, the main opposition party lost uh, uh, his seat in the uh, party elections. Kılıçdaroğlu is no longer the, is the president of the uh, Republican People's party in Turkey. And, um, but the other crisis is now that the Turkey is facing that one of the higher courts in Turkey uh, decided to refuse the decision of the constitutional court on the release of a leftist MP from the jail. Uh, saying that the constitutional court overstepped its its powers, and now there seems to be they're trying to portray it as some sort of a discussion um with you know like a crisis between the the institutions. In fact, it's basically this court, which is uh, apparently get, getting the the, the backing of, of Mr Erdogan, decided to not to recognize the constitutional court's decision, which says that. Their decisions are, are binding on all institutions. So this is also giving strong messages to the Turkish Cypriots. I think Turkish Cypriots are feeling the, the shiver in their spine once more. And, um, you know, because for those who do not know, they have their, the Turkish Cypriots have their own uh, local judicial system, um, which has the continuation from the colonial times and Republic of Cyprus times. And, um, you know, it's, it's different from what Turkey has. And it, it reminded once more the Turkish Cypriots uh, the, 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 how big the the threat is, and um, I, I think the the Huntington's uh, Clash of Civilizations theory has been voiced out many uh, for many years now. But I think the the issue of of, of we are living in the age of instabilities, uh, in- instabilities. We are living in the age of populism. We are living in the age of uh, any anybody can do anything. Um, I, I think it, it it should come to an end because this cannot go forever and um, it is again a lesson to the Turkish Cypriots to the Greek Cypriots to the international community that things can be done on this part of this of the world because we need stability uh, not only in specific spots but we need the stabilities to, you know, be, be a, a source of inspiration. The stable areas we need the solution of the ongoing problems as a source of inspiration everywhere in the world. Look, so Kemal, let's let's in, hope. In,
1: in whatever happens, you need to be in a position to think of the day after. In general, be it the war in Gaza, be it when it comes to the current situation in Cyprus. I mean, we need to be in a position to kind of look ahead, uh, and but not only look, but work for it.
0: And you need to change your own institutions. You need to, you, you need to start working on your uh, education system. You need to see if there can be more crossings to bring the communities together, at least. I mean, can you, can you do something about making sure that the Turkish Cypriot citizens of the Republic of Cyprus uh, uses this, the, the, what the Republic of Cyprus offers uh, to its citizens more freely? Can we do something about, um, joint projects? Can the international community try to address issues, um, on, on that has been um, you know um, on on the shelf for so so many uh, many years so i think these questions will will need to be asked and it is it is high time for us to ask these questions because yes it's not looking very promising but what are the things that at least we can tap on we can invest on i think this is the way to look at this because there is nothing else we can do we just cannot sit and watch uh, with our green faces and you know <laughs> and pray if, if you you believe in praying so um I think um that's Basically, we discussed uh, what we wanted to discuss. Um, Have I missed anything, Andromay?
1: No, I think uh, our listeners should know that next time we're going to discuss a bit about domestic politics. uh, There is going to be a new party in the the Republic of Cyprus. We are gearing up for the European elections in June 2024. There are also the local administration elections. It's going to be an election year again for uh, Greek Cypriots. And I think we have a bit of more domestic issues to discuss next time.
0: The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.